We are in Romans uh, chapter 2, Lord willing, we'll finish out the chapter starting in verse 17. And last week we saw Paul, you know, playing off the first chapter where he really laid out what happens to an individual and a people when they don't glorify God or give thanks to God, even though God has brought such evidence before man that he is Lord. He's even manifest that truth within individuals, that knowledge, and through creation he we know there's a creator and so forth. And we saw the, the downward slope that individuals fall into when they don't want to give praise to God, where they end up with a reprobate mind and a hardened heart, and they're given over to gross sin and so forth, where they practice those sins and then even approve of them. And then last week we saw Paul playing off that, addressing really all men, but even more so the religious Jews of that day that were you know, it anchored in the law, and instead of recognizing the law was there to show them they were sinners, they were thinking that fulfilling the law made them right with God, though there's none that could do that. Only one did that was Jesus Christ. And he said, look it, you condemn those that practice these sins, and yet you practice them yourself. And this morning we'll see Paul continuing in this presentation for them and others that for these ethnic Jews and these natural Jews and absolutely they still have a place in the unfolding of prophetic events but Paul really is showing them this morning that being a Jew on its own doesn't save them that having the law doesn't save them that they're lawbreakers who need the one who kept the law the Lord Jesus Christ he's trying to get them to step back from their spiritual pride and see themselves in light of the truth of the law, the light of Jesus Christ, and the perfect, again, word of God that shows that they were as guilty as the Gentiles. And as the Gentiles needed the Lord Jesus Christ, so too did the Jew. He also lays out the case this morning that those that are true Jews spiritually, they're not that because of outward expressions, but because of inward faith. And we'll talk about that in detail this morning now for us today though we are in christ jesus and it's good to be in christ jesus this morning we know that in christ the law again can't save us we know that we're saved by grace alone through faith faith alone and christ alone but listen we're still vulnerable to some of these traps that these religious jews were walking in we're vulnerable to falling into spiritual pride and living in gross hypocrisy. We'll see Paul declaring that the name of God was blasphemed amongst the Gentiles because of the behavior of the Jews. And we know that's the case in parts of the world today, that there are certain individuals, they blaspheme God because of the behavior of the Christian. Now listen, that doesn't save them. That's not a false gospel that's going to get them to heaven. And some think that way. But listen, we don't want to be individuals that are stumbling the unbeliever because, you know what, we teach others, but we don't teach ourselves. That we point out other people's sins, but we're not responsible for our own. We don't want to be these individuals that go around and point out the speck in everyone else's eyes, but we don't see that plank coming out of our own eye that's literally hitting everyone in the head everywhere that we turn. So as we look at Paul's point here of really showing them they were lawbreakers and that they were hypocrites in their judgments on the Gentiles and they needed Jesus, our main emphasis this morning is going to be on the fact that the law can't save us, that the law condemns us, but Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. But we also, again, want to look at their spiritual pride and their hypocrisy and take that to heart we want to be honest before the lord we want to be a people that are abounding in him and absolutely not only rejoicing in that grace that saves us but allowing that grace as well to be that divine influence to help us to abound in the lord and that really comes when we have a humble heart before the lord and honest walks before god almighty let's read our text together in its fullness again it's there in your notes verse 17 down through 29 i think it's important that we look at this in its fullness and then we'll jump in and 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 take this a verse or two at a time and 
hopefully leave here built up in the Lord. So verse 17, he says, Indeed, you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that you yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor to the foolish, a teacher of babes having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. Verse 21, you therefore who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? And then notice here verse 24, for the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who, even without, even with your written code and circumcision, are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. Now notice again how he starts off. He says, indeed, you are called a Jew. So that is who he is addressing here again though this is written for all of us and there's much for us to glean but he is writing or he's writing here talking specifically to those who were natural jews genealog genea uh, with with their genealogical jews as well as you know what gentiles that were proselytes that were a part of judaism that had not come to the lord jesus christ and indeed as we saw earlier in our studies in romans Listen, this wasn't a small thing. We know that the Jews had first dibs on the gospel. We read that there in Romans 1.16 where Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Awesome words. And then he said, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. And then we saw last week in Romans 2, there in verse 9, as he's talking about the judgment of God, he said, tribulation, anguish on, anguish on every soul who does evil, to the Jew first, also for the Greek. So yes, they had first dibs on the gospel, but it's Jews. They also had first dibs on judgment, as well as first dibs on rewards that come from a life hidden in Christ. Because in verse 10, he says, but glory and honor and peace to everyone who works what is good to the Jew first, and also for the Greek. And somebody asked the question, well, why is that the case? Why do the Jews get first dibs on everything? That doesn't sound fair. Well, that's because they were first given the written law. God made a covenant with the Jews, with the Israelis. They were the first separated unto God. Abraham, we'll talk more about him this morning and in our future studies in Romans, the Lord willing, that Abraham was separated unto the Lord. And through Abraham, the nation of Israel was birthed. And biblically, Abraham became the first Jew through faith in the coming Messiah. And then a nation was birthed out of Abraham. They're often taught, times called God's chosen people. And they were chosen to, again, bring forth the Messiah. And indeed, the Messiah would come through them. Notice Genesis 12, 1 through 3. This is part of the promise given to Abraham that through him this Savior would come who would not only bless his descendants and those that would be you know at part of israel but all the families of the earth genesis 12 1 this is an important passage that you're familiar with it says now the lord has said to abraham get out from your country from your family from your father's house to a land that i will show you and i will make you a great nation i will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and i will curse him who curses you and listen that's still true to this day he says, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that blessing that's being talked about there is absolutely the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came forth from Israel, who absolutely lived a sinless life, 
who died for our sins upon the cross, who rose from the grave. We celebrated that this morning in communion. And the one who absolutely has given assurance of our registration in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Genesis 49.10, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. We know that Judah was one of the 12 tribes of Israel. There's Abraham, his son Isaac, his son Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. Judah was one of his sons. And out of Judah would come Jesus. And this is how the word has been whittled down from Israelis to Jews being derived from Judah. But it's speaking of all of Israel here. Now listen, sadly, many of the Jews, in fact, the bulk bulk of them rejected their Messiah, when he showed up, he showed up according to Scripture, according to the law, according to what was prophesied. And though, again, they had the benefits of the law and the declaration that the Messiah would come, though they were the ones to have first dibs on receiving salvation, instead of allowing the law to show them they were sinners, And in need of the Savior, instead of reading the law, and again, as we talk about the law, that's not just limited to the Ten Commandments or, you know, the Levitical law, the ceremonial law that was given to him. When the law is referred to in the Word, oftentimes, again, it's a reference to all of the Old Testament Scriptures. Listen, and in those Scriptures, there was the great declaration that man sinned way back in the garden and the promise of the messiah was given way back in the garden and again instead of allowing the law to show them they were sinners and they needed the savior and they needed to put faith again in the coming savior and once he came in jesus who did the work of the cross for us instead their faith was in their own self-righteousness in their own ethnicity to save them And they even went so far to even nailing their Messiah to a tree. And listen, the Lord exposed them throughout his ministry on earth. He continually addressed these issues with them in his public ministry. It was one of the reasons why they wanted to crucify him. Because they were full of self-righteousness. And at every turn he would show them that they were sinners. And that absolutely they needed to have their sins washed And when you get into that place, you don't like it when people say that to you. In fact, one exchange back in John chapter 8, I encourage you to read the fullness of the text that I provided for you there in the notes. But in verse 39, the Lord's having this dialogue with these religious Jews. And it says, they answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. And so again, they're proclaiming their self-righteousness through their ethnicity. We're Jews. We're Israelis. Abraham's our father. We have the law. We're God's chosen people. We're saved in ourselves no matter what we do. They were again spiritually blinded. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. And I'll tell you, when we talk about the works of Abraham, and we'll establish this all the more this morning, Abraham's works did not start with what he did. Abraham's work started with his faith. It's a phrase that comes up over and over again in the New Testament. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham was right with God, not because he was the first to enter into circumcision and outward expression of inward faith that they had. We'll talk more about that this morning because we might have read that. You're like, boy, they talk about circumcision a lot in the Bible because I think we read it about 10 times here. Listen, those weren't the works that saved him. Abraham believed he was a sinner. In fact, he knew it. In fact, he was called out of idolatry there in Syria. And he followed the Lord because he knew this had to do with the promise of the coming Lord and Savior, the Messiah of the world. And then the works that came out of his life were the product of his faith in the Lord and the coming Savior. And here's these Jews telling Jesus, wait a minute, we do the works of Abraham. And the Lord says, if you were of Abraham... You would do his works. In verse 40, I'll just read this in its fullness. It's important because, again, Paul's building on what Jesus taught. He said, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham didn't do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we're not born of fornication. Listen, they're going at Jesus. 
Jesus absolutely was born of the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. They should have known that the Messiah indeed would come through a virgin as it was proclaimed by Isaiah the prophet and really did proclaimed even all, with, all the way back in Genesis 3. But again, instead of humbling their heart before God, they're cursing God. They're calling Jesus here, and this is in the technical term. They're saying, you're a bastard. We're not born of fornication like you. They're saying, your mother is a whore, and you're here trying to teach us. And listen, those are the proper expressions of those words. I'm not one that comes up here to, you know, at curse to try to be edgy. Those are the proper expressions of those words. He says, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, if you were of God, your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and came from God. Nor have I come for myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? And he says, because you're not able to listen to my word. And listen to what Jesus says next. Jesus was not seeker sensitive. Jesus just laid it out. He said, you're of your father, the devil. Boy, this was a big deal. These were the religious bullies of the day. And the Lord Jesus Christ fully exposes them. You're of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he's a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, do not you do not hear because you are not of God. Oh, Lord, give us an ear to hear. Give us a heart to receive. And so, again, Paul is trying to show them that although they had so many benefits and these first verses we read, they're about all their benefits. Unless they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, they're still in their sin. They're still under condemnation. They're still just like the unbelieving Gentile outside of Christ. And this is where sometimes it's challenging to teach books like Romans and Galatians because there's thoughts that are put forth in a multitude of chapters. Paul will lay out this in more detail in chapter 3 where he comes there to Romans 3.23. You know, one of the famous verses of Romans, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. He's really trying to lay this out to them and he's exposing the fact that yes, you stand on the law, but you're breakers of the law yourself. In fact, he says you rest or you rely on the law. Again, God had first given his written law to the Jews. And listen, if you're relying on the law to know the heart and mind of God, that's a good thing. We want to do that, don't we? We, we want to heed what we've seen in Revelation. And we've come back to this many times in our study in Revelation on Wednesday night. Where he says, blessed are those who, who read and hear and keep the words of this prophecy. Absolutely, I want to I rely on God's word to be a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. Listen, even to take the law, to want to genuinely keep it to honor God, that's a good thing. Listen, the Ten Commandments should be in every single culture, not just to show us we're sinners, but also to set a standard of morality. Look what's happening to our country as the law of God is just being pushed to the side. You see lawlessness abounding all the more so that was good to know the mind of god to strive to honor god that's a good thing but listen this was a bad thing in that they genuinely thought keeping the law would save them and here's the truth the law showed them that they couldn't keep the law of god that they can't be saved the law exposed them and exposes us as are you ready for it rank sinners that's what we are we absolutely are and if you're thinking well i'm a good guy and i'm right with god through the lord jesus christ i'll i'll, I'll use one of my favorite words you've been bamboozled because <laughs> the law of god shows you it shows me it shows every jew every gentile every male and female that we are sinners and we are under condemnation notice galatians 2 16 and Romans and Galatians have a lot in common because they predominantly 
attack this false gospel that men could be right with God outside of Christ. He says, knowing that a man is not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ. Notice, and not by works of the law. And this is huge. For by works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. And yet here's these Jews thinking they're just before God because they rely on the law to save them. And they're relying on the very thing that actually condemned them, that showed they were sinners. Again, what's the purpose of the law? Galatians 3.24, therefore the law was our tutor. You guys have heard this verse before, haven't you? The law was our tutor or our teacher to bring us to Christ that we might be justified. This is the key word here, justified by what? By works? No, justified by faith. But after faith has come, praise God, we're no longer under the tutor. We're no longer under the law. Again, the law shows us we're sinners. You're going you're gonna to hear, you're going to see this, you're going to hear this. You know, until Jesus comes back from this pulpit. It's throughout the word of God. The law teaches us we're sinners. You run across someone and they say, I'm not a sinner. Take them to the law of God. Take them to the law of God. Say, test yourself by the law of God. You're saying you've never told a lie? No, I haven't. You're a liar right there. The Bible says every man is a liar. Take him through that law. Ever lust in your heart? That's as adultery. Ever hate in your heart? It's as murder. You're telling me that God has been your God? He's your master passion in every turn? No, we're idolaters. We're under the law, and the law condemns us. We are lawbreakers. If we stood in the court of law before God, we would be found 100% guilty, and the law shows us that. That's why it's so important to have the Ten Commandments out there, to show men they're sinners. That's why it was tragic when they were taken out of the public school because all those little boogers would look up to that until like 1962, whenever it was, and they'd see that, and they would know, I'm a sinner. I'm a transgressor. But it was teaching them something. It was teaching them me needed the one who kept the law, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because indeed he led a sinless life. And then he took the wrath to us as transgressors of the law and became the propitiation. That means he paid the price of our sins. He rose from the grave. And when you put your faith in Christ, again the key word being faith, you put your faith in Christ dying for your sins resurrecting from the grave and you put your faith in as your lord you're no longer under the law but now you're under grace and it's a glorious thing to be under grace freedom reigns where there is grace and again not only is that grace to save us but to be a divine influence in our life to allow us to all the more abound in christ to depart from iniquity and walk in righteousness because he says you rely on the law you make your boast in god And listen, this was a boastful people. They boasted, though, their boast in God wasn't unto the glory of God, but their boast in God was that we're God's special people. And it was a stumbling block for them. And they were and are God's chosen people, and God's not finished with natural Israel by any means. But again, in their spiritual pride, That which was to liberate them had become a stumbling block for them. So again, they thought they knew God, but at this point, they absolutely did not. And I would say that's probably the worst place spiritually to be in the world. When you think you know the Lord, when in truth you do not know the Lord. And let me tell you, this isn't limited to these Jews that are absolutely, you know what, in spiritual pride, thinking the law will save them. This is many a person that says they're a born-again Christian or they say they're a Christian. Listen, that's not just my opinion. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ declared. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Now notice what he says. Many will say to me in that day, not a smidget, not a few, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not? And notice what the emphasis is. It's on themselves. Just like the Jews, their emphasis was on themselves. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? You can insert this. Have we not cast out demons in your name? Have we not done many wonders in your name? They're saying, look at all we've done. And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And you're like, 
what's lawless about again casting out demons and miracles and all this kind of stuff there's nothing lawless about that the lawless thing was that they thought they would be saved through what they did look at all we've done and he says i never knew you because how do we really know god through our works no through falling on our face and repenting and say jesus be merciful to me a sinner come into my life we know the lord through faith in him and the work of the cross of calvary and this is why we're told in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine your neighbor. No, it says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Notice keyword, the what? Faith. Test yourselves. He doesn't say examine yourself to see whether you keep the law or not. Now, listen, if you have faith, there should be good works. And it's one of the ways you examine yourself. But examine yourself whether you are in the faith or you have faith. Test yourself. The key word being faith. Verse 18 he says, And you know his will and approve the things that are excellent being instructed out of the law. Again, he's saying you have all this stuff. You know a lot. They knew, again, his will through the word of God. They approved of the things that were excellent as declared in the word of God. They approved of the law. And they were instructed again in the law. But listen, knowing the law, knowing the excellent things of the word and being taught the law, that can't save you. Now, yes, the power of God or the gospel is the power of God unto salvation when you come to faith. But with these individuals, again, they knew all this stuff and knowledge can't save you. It's faith what saves you. It's trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, because again, They were sinners that did not have faith in the Lord. And be careful when it comes to knowledge. Listen, knowledge can be, (coughs) excuse me, a good thing. But knowledge without love is a tragic thing. And these were (coughs) a people that were full of knowledge. And that knowledge had done what? It had puffed them up and had blinded them. First Corinthians 8 that speaks of love. It says knowledge puffs up. But what does love do? It edifies. And the reason love edifies is because true biblical love is always partnering with truth. Where there's no truth, there is no love. And a lot of people, oh, you know, we love, but there's no truth there. That's not the love of the Lord. And absolutely where truth is, it needs to be anchored with love, with a humility. And yet these individuals didn't have it. Notice 19, you are confident that you or yourselves are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. Now their confidence again, it wasn't in the light of the world. It wasn't in the Lord. Jesus in John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. These guys were confident that they were light when really they had rejected the light of the world. They thought they were a guide to the blind and those in darkness But the opposite was true. Jesus called them blind guides. Again, Paul's building on the teaching of Jesus. In Matthew 15, he says in verse 7, he called them hypocrites. And notice there in your notes, it's not not just like hypocrites. There's an exclamation point behind that. You're hypocrites. He said, well, did Isaiah prophesy about you saying, these people draw to me in their mouths and honor me with their lips. But notice their heart is far from me and in vain they worship me teaching doctrines as doctrines the commandments of men and there's more rebuke here they're offended and whatnot and then in verse 14 the lord says let them alone notice they are blind leaders of the blind and if the blind leads the blind won't they both fall into a ditch and there's a lot of people that name the name of christ today they're blind they say we're, we're saved through our works You're saved through membership in this church or being baptized in Jesus' name by our hands. You're only saved when you speak in tongues or, you know, when you fulfill these certain sacraments. They're the blind leading the blind. Jesus is the light of the world. We get saved, (coughs) again, when we humble our heart and we call on his name. And these individuals, these Jews, and again, many a Christian, and I say it in quotes here, Because saying you're a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
though they thought their privileged position in the law brought them into the light. In truth, the law was there to show them they were in darkness. And they needed to be brought into the light through the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, this had been laid out for them in Scripture. Back in Genesis 3, when man sinned, God gave the promise of that Savior to bring victory. He said to the serpent in Genesis 3, 15, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her and his, your seed and her seed, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Again, man had tried to what? Cover his sin up with fig leaves and it didn't work, did it? There was a shame there. I got to cover myself up through my works. <clears throat> God gave the promise of the Savior and then he illustrated to them what the Savior would do and that he went and he brought the first physical kill, an animal, He shed that animal's blood and he took the skins of that animal to cover Adam and Eve. And he was showing them you're saved through me, not through your own means. You need a sacrifice for your sins to be covered, to have your sins washed and covered. And he was pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham knew this. God had promised Abraham a child that through that child, that through that child, the, the, the nation would be birthed that would bring forth the Savior. Abraham was getting old and that wasn't happening. So listen, he went into his maid Hagar to try to fulfill the promises of God. And God doesn't need our help in fulfilling his promises. And Abraham and Hagar produced a child of the flesh. You're like, oh, all this Islamic terrorism in the day. Where did it come from? Abraham moving in the flesh. It's all rooted to Abraham's fleshly act. And God told them, this is not, he says in Genesis 15, 4, and Abraham's getting old here, he says, this one shall not be your heir, but one shall come from your own body, and he shall be your heir. And Galatians goes into deep detail about this. Again, that was an effort of the flesh, and efforts of the flesh and works can't save us. Isaac came out of faith, because at that point, Abraham was almost 100, Sarah was almost 90, and guess what, when you're 190, even back then, you're not having kids. But they believed God. And God stirred up the romance in that home and did a miracle. And a child came forth by faith. And it says in Genesis 15, 6, he believed the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Abraham's works didn't bring righteousness, but faith in the Lord brought righteousness. That he believed God. God showed them this over and over again. With the Passover lamb, I got it in the notes there, Exodus 12. I'm not going to read it. They're stuck there in Egypt, a place of the world, a place of darkness. How do they get out? By taking a lamb without blemish, blemish, sacrificing it, putting the blood over their doorpost, that when the angel of death came through, they were passed over because their faith was in the blood of that lamb. And Jesus, when he started his public ministry, John the Baptist, who the Jews considered a prophet of God, declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Look, they thought they were light, but they were in the darkness. They thought they were a guide to the blind, but they were the blind leading the blind themselves. Let's make sure we take you to ourselves. Listen, we're here to be a city set upon a hill. We're here to be salt and light. But it's easy for the believer to fall into a place of spiritual pride where there's really not a lot of light coming from them or even to fall into a place of, you know what, you know, going the way of the world. And these guys didn't see that. They were thought they were light, but they weren't. Notice what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 22. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And so check yourself. Is the light in you really the light of Christ? Or have you fooled yourself through spiritual pride or even a twisting of the word thinking, yeah, I'm light, but that light's really a darkness. And he says here, when that light is really a darkness, how dark is that darkness? And the reason he says that is because the person's blinded to the fact that they're producing darkness versus light. That's how dark it is. Also here quickly, he says, you're confident that you yourselves 
Let's make sure all our confidence is in Jesus and not in ourselves. I, I got something better for you than self-esteem. Our old believe in yourself. You can do anything. That's a lie. But boy, isn't that pump nonstop? There's something better than self-confidence. It's Christidence, faith in Jesus Christ, confidence in the Lord. Along these same lines of these foolish, you know, Jews under the law. In Philippians, Paul warned concerning these guys, 3-2, he says, Beware of dogs, evil workers, beware of the mutilation. He's talking about those that say you need to be circumcised to be right with God. He says this is mutilation. For we are circumcised who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, notice, and have no confidence in the flesh. Do not put confidence in your flesh to save you. Put confidence in the work of Jesus Christ. I love Psalm 118.8. It says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It's better to trust in the Lord than put confidence in princes. There's a lot of pressure to put confidence in men. Put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will go before you at every single turn. Listen to Psalm 65.5. By awesome deeds and righteousness, you will answer us, O God, of our salvation. You are the confidence of the ends of the earth. And it talks about the seas and the mountains and all these sayings that just move on. Why? Because of God. That sun came up today because of God. He is worthy of putting our confidence in, is he not? And listen to this promise, 1 John 5, 14. Now in this, the confident, now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Again, we ask according to his will, he hears. Let's put our confidence in the Lord. Now, verse 20, I got to speed it up here. He says, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having a form of knowledge and truth in the law. Again, they were instructors. They had a form of knowledge. And yet they really were not instructing individuals in truth. Jesus said again in Matthew 23, 15, you make him, he says, you travel a land to win one proselyte when he's one. You make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Jesus didn't play games with these guys. And then in Paul's ministry, he'd go to these Gentile cities and preach the gospel. Remember, we saw last summer in Acts that the Jews would follow him, trying to disrupt his ministry. He taught grace and he taught the law. We see in Acts 14, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren, they were stumbling babes, a form of knowledge, but no power. He says, therefore, you teach another. Do you not teach yourselves? And Jesus addressed this again in Matthew 23, how they love to be called rabbi and teacher and to get honor and so forth. And oh, I got instruction for you and I got instruction for you. But listen, they didn't instruct themselves. You ever run across someone like that? Boy, they got the word of wisdom for everybody. Oh, let me show you how to do that right. You know, everything. They got to, you know, get in there and tell you how to do it and so forth. And it's just, it's, it, you know, maybe some people, they do that out of a, a you know, what, a, thinking that, that that's their call or whatever. But a lot of times, again, and again, when it comes to the things of the Lord, there's a lot of people, they want to teach everyone else, but they don't want to teach themselves. Oh, let me teach you about that speck in your eye again when the big log is in their own eye. We need to make sure we hold up and examine our lives by God's word. Notice 1 Timothy 4.16. Take heed to yourselves and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. So take heed to yourselves. Is the light in you light or is it darkness? Because if it's darkness, it's a great darkness. Are you one to teach others doctrine or do you take heed to your own doctrine first? He says, you preach that a man should not steal. Do you steal? Well, absolutely they stole. Again, Jesus called them out. In Matthew 23, 14, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you, devours widows, you devour widows' houses and in pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you'll receive a greater condemnation. And then he said later in that chapter, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Notice again, hypocrites. You cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of Ex, uh, extortion and self-indulgence. So 
They stole the glory that was due God and they took it from themselves. They literally devoured widows' homes. They had loopholes that they had set up to steal inheritances from widows. And they went around extorting people. Remember when Jesus turned the temple, the tables in the temple? They were extorting people. They, they, they had an a, a incredible, uh, a, a horrific exchange rate. You have to use temple money in this temple. And they would rip people off. And they did it all in the name of God. And they say, thou shall not steal. But they themselves stole at every single turn. Again, let's, not, let's make sure that's not us. Again, we don't keep the law to be saved. But we are called unto righteousness. And our faith should be reflective in the way that we live. He said, you say, do not commit adultery. Do you commit adultery? Remember the woman caught in adultery by the Pharisees and they dragged her to the Lord? My question is always, where was dude? Where's he at? How about this? The Lord said, if you lust in your heart, it's as the sin of adultery. A lot of Christians run around, and boy, our world's full of sexual immorality. It's abounding all around us, isn't it? But what's going on in your own heart? What are you putting before your own eyes? You say, I, I would never go out and actually do that, but is your heart overtaken with lust and pornography? Are you invested in the Lord and your own marriage and even in your singleness, preparing yourself that if it's God's will to bring some along, he will? Or is it, deal? I can't believe the world out there and yet in our own house, adultery is being committed at every turn. You know, the statistics show that Christians, their level of struggle with pornography is pretty close to the world's. Be honest before God, bring this before the Lord. Be truthful with God. God wants to do a work in you, but it needs to start by, again, acknowledging the plank in your own eye. He says, you abhor idols. Do you not rob temples? And in fact, the Lord exposed them for this. Again, in Matthew 23, he says, whoever swears by the temple, it's nothing. But whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he's obligated to perform it. In other words, they didn't care about just general promises unless it was something that could pad their pocket. Because they took that gold that was brought in for themselves. It's like the individual that says, who's a Christian, who says, I can't believe what goes on in those Walgreens in San Francisco. They just go in there and they smash and grab and they take, you know, $999 worth of stuff because if they take $1,000 worth, they'll go to jail. And so they just go, I can't believe those thieves. And yet they never give a dime to the work of the Lord themselves. Like, wait, wait a minute, see, wait a minute. I got, I'm with you under this. Malachi 3.8, says, will you rob God? Yet you rob God, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. And then he goes on to say, challenge me. I'll bless you in this. And this is why I know some people say, well, that's an Old Testament thing. That's not for today. Out of context, Steve. Time out. We're going to blow a whistle on that. I'll, challenge, I'll take that debate on any time. Because Jesus Christ said in Matthew 6, 23, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And the things added on were material things. And don't tell me you're seeking God first if you rob God when it comes to tithes and offerings. Jesus said, I'll show you where a man's heart is by just looking at where his treasure is. 23, you make your boast in the law. Do you dishonor God through breaking the law? And again, they boasted in the law. Let's boast in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> they would boast we're law keepers and yet they dishonored God because they broke the law at every turn. We're sinners. The law shows us that we are that. But they were short-sighted. 24, for the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you as it is written. Again, he's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the time when Israel was being taken to captivity by the Assyrians, later by the Babylonians. And through their sin, they were taken into captivity. And as a result of their sin being taken into captivity, the Assyrians and Babylonians thought their gods were superior to the God of the earth. Therefore, they blasphemed God because of the sin of the Israelis and the Jews. And it was the same with these Pharisees. Again, the Lord over and over again called them hypocrites. 
You ever run into anybody and they say, you know what, I'd, I'd, I'd follow the Lord except every Christian I know is a, can we say it together, what? A hypocrite. And a good line to say, well, I've got room for one more. Why don't you come and join us on Sunday morning? And that's truth. But it's also true that oftentimes the behavior of the believer, it's rooted in the flesh. Listen, a self-righteous, pious, holier-than-thou attitude doesn't save souls. It repulses people. So does, again, hypocrisy of saying, I'm a follower of the Lord, but I live like the world. It's the fruits of the Spirit that draws people to the Lord. Now listen, there's going to still be an attack on Christianity. A lot of people, you know what, they hang their hat on this even when it's not true and they make this their gospel. Well, surely I'm going to God because all those Christians are so whack. That is a false gospel that will damn you to hell. And if you got dragged here today and you're like, I'll go where there's a bunch of hypocrites and I'm right with God because, you know, when I say they're hypocrites, you're damned to hell, man. You need to repent and come to Jesus Christ. And yet that false gospel, I see it on people's bumpers. God, save me from your people. Like, yeah, me and God got our own thing. You don't. But let's make sure that we're not stumbling people. If we suffer, let it not be as an evildoer. Because these guys stumble people as evildoers. And self-righteousness is probably one of the most evil things there is. He says in 25, and here we go into the circumcision. He says, if, for a circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. It's profitable if you keep the law. But if you're a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Listen, Abraham was circumcised as an outward sign of his faith in the Lord. It was the product of his faith. Romans 4.11, he, re, he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised. Abraham believed God. He was circumcised. Why? To be practically separated from the Canaanites around him. We've been called to be a peculiar separated people in the world, but what not, not of the world. It also had, especially in that day, physical benefits. There was a health reason for that, as much of the Levitical law was. But listen, it would not save you. It was null and void unless you kept all of the law and no one can keep all of the law galatians 5 3 and i testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law you become estranged from christ you attempt to be justified by the law notice you've fallen from grace and they said we're circumcised so we're right with god you didn't even keep the law years ago i knew a guy that left christianity become a jew grown man and went out to get circumcised thinking that made him right with god you can't even keep you're a liar dude how's that gonna save you i'm a jew now listen he says it right here you're a jew through faith in god not through outward circumcision or keeping the law verse 26 therefore if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law Will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physical, physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are transgressors of the law? He's making a point here. He's not saying there's Gentiles that actually get circumcised and keep the law or uncircumcised, but they keep the law who judge the Jews. He's, he's not saying that. His point is that if a Gentile actually keeps the law, even though you're circumcised, he would be able to judge you because even though you're circumcised, which was part of their covenant with God, they're transgressors of the law themselves. He's trying to bring sense to them. They ran around judging the Gentiles because of their paganism and their sin and so forth, but they never looked in the mirror themselves that they were doing the exact same thing. So he's trying to make a point to them. Based on what you're doing, these Gentiles you judge could turn around and judge you. Again, the whole point of this, Jew, Gentile, you're all sinners. All have transgressed God's law and all need Jesus who kept the law. And then verse 28, we'll 
close out on this. Notice, for he, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision that is of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. The first Jew became a Jew not because of circumcision outwardly, but because of inward faith. Romans 4, 3 Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And the context is his outward works did not save him. It was faith in the Lord. Now listen from there, a nation and absolutely an ethnicity was birthed because these were a people separated unto the Lord. But make no mistake, any Old Testament Jew that was saved They were saved not through the law, but by faith in the coming Messiah. That's what saved them. Listen, look at all the rebukes to the Jews in the Old Testament. Many ethnic Jew was damned for not believing. Judah's sons were killed. It says God hated them. Levi's sons brought strange fire into the temple, and God killed them in the temple. Think about Korah. They They were Jews that they rebelled against Moses and God and God opened the earth and swallowed them. And ethnicity cannot save you. Being a Jew cannot save you. I'm part Jewish. That Jewish in me does not save me. Not one lick. But listen, many a Gentile in the Old Testament became a proselyte or a Jew through faith, and that did save them, save them. Rahab the harlot. She understood judgment was on them. And Israel had the promise of Messiah. And she was saved out of Jericho. Ruth was saved. And they both even land in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Side note here. There are ethnic and natural Jews today that are not spiritual Jews. But God is not done with them. One day all of natural Israel on the earth will be saved. So don't get in this foolishness of replacement theology. The church is now Israel and God's done with them. That's a false doctrine. Paul goes into deep detail on this later in Romans. And these guys that preach this, I think, have you never read the book of Romans? Because he talks about, again, Gentiles being a branch grafted in. But they're still being a natural branch. And he says there in Romans eleven twenty six, speaking of natural Israel, all Israel will be saved. And that's what we're talking about on Wednesday nights in Revelation. And we've been talking about that. The tribulation is predominantly about natural Israel becoming spiritual Israel and calling on the Lord for salvation. Bottom line, though, listen, true spiritual Jews, true sons and daughters of Abraham. Remember singing that song in Sunday school? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons have Father Abraham. I'm one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Maybe we should finish with that song. Can you guys? No. You're like, what? Galatians 3, 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Because Abraham became a Jew out of what? Out of faith in God. And then he says here. Again, a Jew is one inwardly and circumcision of the heart. When you came to the Lord, Lord circumcised your heart. He took a stony heart and made a fleshly. And in the spirit, not in the letter. Again, we're saved in the spirit. So let's not go under the letter to complete our salvations. Galatian goes into deep detail on that. And then notice, whose praise not for men, but from God. Because here's the problem. Men go under the law and they do it to get praise for men. The Lord rebuked the Pharisees time and time again. That they would do what they did to be seen by men, to be praised by men. Oh, look at them. Look what they tithe. Look what they give. Look what's going on with them. Let's applaud them. And he says, that's the reward. But those who walk by faith, we get our praise not for men, but from God. And hear this, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, that's all that matters. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Lovely Father, we do bless you and praise you. Thank you again for a beautiful day and morning. Thank you for a blessed time of worship. And Lord, we want to finish well in worship now. Thank you for the Lord's Supper and the remembrance of your death, your body broken, your blood shed. And thank you for your word, God. 
And we thank you for the confidence available through Jesus Christ for our salvation. Let us be found a people that have all our confidence and all our faith in you. Lord, from that, let there be a flow of the work of the Spirit of God in our life. That our faith would be seen through you working in our life. If you're here today and you haven't called upon the Lord, today is the day of salvation. You've heard the bad news and the good news. The bad news of sin, but the good news of the Savior. Goes on later to say in Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you called upon Christ? If you haven't, you need to. Confess, I'm a sinner, Lord. I need to be forgiven. I believe you died and rose and I put my trust in you. Be my Lord and Savior all of my days. A humble and contrite heart, he won't refuse. Lord, let us finish well lifting our voices to you. Let's praise the Lord.
Amen. We'll just pray God's blessing on you today. Just pray encourage you to uh, encourage others before you leave today. We got a, a little bit before the next service. And again, just pray God richly shines his face upon you. And you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you again.